You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. a godly example in life and don't just go I'd like to be like them become like them imitate their faith imitate their life learn how to make wise decisions in life pray I bet even some of the smallest things Lord you want me to take this job David prayed before he would go to war. You find his life. He'd pray, Lord, should I go against the Amalekites? Should I go against them? Should I go against... And he would pray, and God would say yes or no. Do you have a role model that you look up to? Are they living a godly life? It's easy to be influenced by the people who are closest to you. Pastor Danny encourages you today to evaluate where you are in life. Are you surrounding yourself with negativity? In today's message, Pastor Danny teaches about Lot, who chose to put himself into a bad situation. He was too close to a sinful city and ended up getting lured in. What might you be getting lured into that you're not aware of? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Genesis chapter 19 as he continues his message, Lot's Journey of Faith. beginning of sin. Genesis chapter 3, in the garden, Eve, it says she looked, she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. Physically satisfying, pleasing to the eye, but those aren't necessarily the best reasons to go a direction or make a decision. Sometimes it's the wrong way. The food of Egypt, as Israel was wandering in the wilderness, and God was providing manna from heaven. They kept thinking about the food they left back in Egypt, and they craved the food of Egypt because physically it tasted better than the manna from heaven, which represented Christ. The grass being greener is not always the wisest path. Just because it's personally appealing and physically satisfying doesn't mean It's God's direction. Now, no extra charge before we go to the third characteristic in Lot's journey of faith. How do I make, as a Christian, good decisions in life? I'm going to give them to you very quickly. Number one, pray. Pray. You want God's blessing? You want God's direction? Well, ask Him. Ask Him. Lord, lead me. Lord, what's the right decision? Which is the right direction? Second, after you pray... Peace, peace. Colossians tells us, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. The word has to do with an umpire who, when you get out of pounds, blows the whistle. And if you don't have peace about it after you prayed about it, don't do it. I don't care how good it looks. And third, 
Make sure that the decision you're making and the direction you're heading is not a clear violation of something in this book. Pray. Let the peace of God rule in your heart and be guided by the Word of God. Chapter 13, verse 12. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Third thing we find about Lot is he placed himself in a very unwise position. He pitched his tents near Sodom. And he began to hang out there. And hanging out there was not a good idea. Why? Well, in chapter 14, some kings get together and they get their armies and they go against the kings that rule over the area of Sodom and Gomorrah and that whole area down south of Jerusalem. And as these kings come down now toward where Lot has pitched his tents, then you get to verse 12 of chapter 14. They win a victory. They take some people with them and the spoils. And it says they also carried off Abraham's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. He left the tent life. And he moved into Sodom. Bad move. Bad decision. God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He's not going to do it without telling his friend Abraham. And so, if you read chapter 18, as God tells Abraham he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham starts to think, wait a minute, Lot's down there. And he begins to intercede on behalf of Lot. And it's a humorous chapter. I mean, it really is. What do you mean? Well, in chapter 18, um, Abraham begins with God and says, Surely the judge of all the earth, he won't destroy the wicked with the righteous. And then he says, If you find 50 righteous people in Sodom, will you spare them? And God says, I will. And then Abraham starts to think, I don't know if Lot reached that many people with his life and his faith. How about 45, Lord? And it's a whole humorous thing where he goes, 45, then he says, Lord, don't be angry. How about 40? God says, okay, 40. And then he says, how about 35? Okay, 35. How about 30? How about 25? How about 20? Oh, Lord, don't be angry. 15? Okay, 15. One last request. If you find 10 righteous people, will you spare it? And God says, okay, if I find 10, I'll spare it. But he couldn't find 10. And so he's sending his angels, two angels, select angels, to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Now go to chapter 19 of Genesis and look at the opening verse. The two angels arrived in Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. What does that mean? He's become a significant man in Sodom. Just by reading that, he's sitting at the gate. Yeah. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 23. It's a proverb about the virtuous woman, but it mentions her husband. Here's what it says. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. And other Bible verses bear out that in this ancient culture, the leaders of a city gathered at the city gate. And here's Lot now. He's left the tent life, he's moved into Sodom, and he's become a significant figure 
in Sodom. And then you get to chapter 19, verse 12. The two angels said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons or daughters, anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here. Because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against its people is so great that he sent us to destroy it. So Lot goes out, speaks to his sons-in-law who were pledged to be married to his daughters. He said, hurry, get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. Ah, good joke, you're funny. Despite the significant figure he's become in Sodom, the record indicates he had very little, if any, spiritual impact in Sodom. And it also indicates that he had very little, if any, spiritual impact on his own immediate family. And with that, he's going to let his two daughters marry men of Sodom, who we just read were sinning greatly against the Lord? You're going to put your blessing on that kind of relationship? And then chapter 19, verse 15. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife, your two daughters who are here, or you'll be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, hesitated. You're escaping judgment, and you're slow to get out of town? The men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city for the Lord was merciful. How frustrated these angels must be. You dumb human, get out of here. And they have to grab him, grab his wife, grab the two daughters and physically pull them. And that's the sixth characteristic in his journey of faith. He's reluctant to leave Sodom. Now, that is on the surface perplexing to me in light of a New Testament scripture that Peter writes. Put a marker in Genesis. Go with me and take a quick look at 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. If God rescued Lot, a righteous man, he's saved by faith, who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Well, if that's true, and it is, we have it right here in our New Testament Bible. Why was he hesitant to leave? Because despite how repulsed he was by the sinning and what was going on in Sodom, he's got a family now. He's got relationships now. He's a significant figure now. And I'm going to give you one more suggestion. He got comfortable in Sodom. Because humanly, physically, naturally, it's a whole lot easier to live in Sodom than the tent life. Probably had ancient air conditioning in Sodom. He got comfortable. Despite the sin going on, despite how repulsed he was, he's got roots in Sodom. And number seven, 
Some people say you're stretching the Bible on number seven. Well, I, I don't think so. Let me give you number seven after I read the text. Genesis chapter 19, verse 17. Genesis 19, verse 17. As soon as they brought them out, one of them said, the angel, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you'll be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you've shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here's a town near enough to run to. And it's small, isn't it? Let me go there. Then my life will be spared. You see what he said? That's too far for me to run. Let me go somewhere closer. This is Sodom's effect on him practically and personally. I'm going to suggest to you that number seven includes the fact that this dude's out of shape. I can't run there. I'll die. Give me someplace closer. Can I go there? And they give him permission. You say, you're stretching the Bible. I don't think so. A lot of people say the sin of Sodom was homosexuality, not according to the Bible. Wait a minute. Homosexuality wasn't rampant in Sodom? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But it was a byproduct, a byproduct of the root. Ezekiel tells us the sin of Sodom. This was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. I think the dude was out of shape. I think he just got comfortable in Sodom. He got comfortable with that lifestyle. And when now it's time to flee for his life, he's like, I can't run there. I'll never make it. Haven't been to the gym in years. And then chapter 19, verse 23. By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of heaven. Thus he overthrew those cities in the entire plain including all those living in the cities, and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. My first trip to Israel, I wasn't leading the tour, but our guide at the time, we were down south toward that area, toward Sodom and Gomorrah, dry desert area, and the guide talking about some of the biblical points of the land, and then he pointed out what looked like a little statue way off in the distance. He said, that's Lot's wife. And some of the people bought it. If you go to Israel and the guide says that's Lot's wife, it's not Lot's wife. She did turn into a pillar of salt. Why? Because her heart was in Sodom. Don't look back. She looked back. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, before we go to the last point, where did Lot get his wife? If you study the story carefully, you will note that when Abraham and Lot leave Ur of the Chaldeans, Abraham is already married, but there's no mention of Lot having a wife or children. And it appears from the record that he met his wife and married after he left Ur of the Chaldeans. And it is likely, likely to me, that one of the reasons he pitched his tents near Sodom and then moved into Sodom 
was because he met a woman from Sodom. And he fell in love. Doesn't tell us that explicitly. Doesn't tell us that specifically. But man, when you read between the lines... And then I'm not going to read the details of what happens after his wife turns into a pillar of salt and now he becomes a single dad with two daughters. They end up living in a cave. And the daughters get together and say, how in the world are we going to have kids now? And they come up with this plan. Let's get dad drunk. And they get their father, Lot, drunk. And on the first night, he is so sloshed, one of the daughters goes in, sleeps with him, she becomes pregnant, and he doesn't even remember that he slept with his daughter. It works, so the second night, they get him drunk again. The second daughter goes in, sleeps with dad, and she becomes pregnant. And what I will read is the outcome, chapter 19, verse 36 So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab, and he's the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son, and she named him Ben-Ami. He's the father of the Ammonites of today. And both of those people became enemies of Israel. He had daughters that were morally permissive. I wonder where they were influenced. Sodom. And the fruit of their moral laxness were descendants that became enemies of the people of God. Well, there it is. Nine characteristics of Lot's journey of faith. And what I did at the end for me, and I'm going to pass it on to you. What did I learn from that? What do you get from that? I'll tell you the first thing. Find a godly example in life and imitate them. I hope you got a mom or a dad that's, that's an altar builder. A lot of people don't. Then I'll give you this. The writer of the Hebrews says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I can say, not proudly, but I can say, then be like me. I'm an altar builder. I can show you how to build an altar. In a modern day altar, one of the things that ought to be there is a well-worn Bible. It doesn't have dust on it. It gets open regularly. Be an altar builder. Get your knees on the ground. Your nose in the book. And your eyes on heaven. Find a godly example in life. And don't just go, I'd like to be like them. Become like them. Imitate their faith. Imitate their life. Learn how to make wise decisions in life. Pray. I bet even some of the smallest things. Lord, you want me to take this job? David prayed before he would go to war. You find his life. He'd pray. Lord, should I go against the Amalekites? Should I go against them? Should I go against? And he would pray. And God would say yes or no. God would even give him direction in the battle. Then it came to settling down with his family. And it says in 2 Samuel chapter 2, David prayed, Lord, where, where should I go? And he said, go to Hebron. And he said, that's where I'll go then. And he went and he settled in Hebron. Pray. 
Peace of God, Word of God. Pray, peace of God, Word of God. Find it, do it again. Find it, do it again. Pray, peace of God, Word of God. Make wise decisions in life. Would you stay as far away from temptation as possible? We are so stupid. We want to live near it and go, I'm not going to mess with it, but I like to look at it. What? David said, I'll set no evil thing before mine eyes. Get out of here. (laughs) Stay as far away from temptation as possible. Now, look, my challenge in life, my greatest challenge is sexual purity. And I'm a happily married man. And I'm 62. (laughs) I, I know I don't look it. I realize that, but I'm 62, man. And I'm happily married. And sexual temptation is still a challenge. And I love my wife. I like looking at her. But sometimes other girls look better. You hypocrite. You get the you get the most you get it out of your own eye first. I love my wife and I practice looking away from others. One of the reasons I love the Proverbs because it talks a lot about how to escape sexual sin and how to have victory over sexual temptation. <laughs> One of my favorites is Proverbs six twenty seven. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? <laughs> Think about that one. Stay as far away from temptation as possible. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Develop and maintain personal discipline in life. And the priority discipline is building altars. 1 Timothy 4 doesn't say God that physical exercise is of no value. It says it's of little value. It doesn't mean it's not of value. But godliness is valuable unto all things the present life, and the one to come. And then Paul talked about the physical disciplines. He said, I beat my body, I make it my slave. And so spiritual disciplines and physical disciplines, develop them, maintain them throughout life. Don't marry out of the will of God. You say, it's too late. Then we say, God bless you, we love you, and we'll help you any way we can. But like my father-in-law said, it may not have been God's will for you to get married, but it's God's will for you to stay married. You say, I married the wrong one. Too bad. You stuck with them. Well, that didn't get a whole lot of response, so we go to the last point. (laughs) Never, ever leave the tent life mindset. One last scripture, and I'll let you go. One last scripture. If you turn to it, I'll close. Second Peter. Second Peter, chapter 3. Oh, this is so practical. Verse 10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Never leave the tent life mindset. This is not our home. 
Thanks for joining us today to study the Old Testament on the Living Word. You may have thought that this section of the Bible isn't relevant in a world that Jesus has redeemed, but we hope through this study that you've changed your opinion. There's plenty to learn from Old Testament books, the people within, and the ways that God reveals Himself. The God you meet in the Old Testament is the same one who created you, and the same one who's governing your life right now. If you'd like to explore more teachings from this Gleanings from the Old Testament series, you can find them online at ccfstpete.church. Just click on Sermons. You'll be redirected to our YouTube page, where you can watch a number of teachings from Calvary Chapel Fellowship and subscribe to our channel. Come connect with us on social media as well. You'll find The Living Word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you'll be able to jump into the conversations there. If you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you. You're invited to join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. We're excited to welcome you into our family of faith. You'll find directions and more information at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all we have for today. Tune in next time for more on The Living Word.